Welcome to The Coaching Podcast with your hosts, Emma Doyle and Simon Blair, coach for success in sport and business. G'day everybody and welcome to The Coaching Podcast. My name's Emma Doyle and I'm here with the absolutely fabulous Milena Stevens. I think you are a champion and of course you are the PTR Director of Development and Diversity. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here with you. It's always a good time with Emma Doyle. So, <laughs> All right. Me. So the first question is the Vegemite question. I have tried Vegemite and Marmite and I hate it. Okay. <laughs> it's All right. super gross. <laughs> Thank you for being honest. We appreciate that. Because you answered that way, could you please share with us first your worst coaching moment and what were the lessons? I think is when I was a young coach and dealing with parents, that was hard for me as a young coach. I remember that my, it, it just, we had parents that wanted to get on the court, parents that wanted to tell me what, how to work with their kids. And at the beginning I was young and I wasn't confident and I would kind of let that happen. And I would realize how tough it was for the player and for myself, because I didn't, I felt like I couldn't do everything I wanted. And I felt the pressure of a parent being outside and I didn't know how to deal with them. So that was really hard when I started. And, and it's fun to see the difference once you get used to it and once you get education on how to deal with the parents and how to make them a big part of, of the, the whole program and how things change. And when they start trusting you, if you explain them why you're doing everything. So I think my worst was when I was I would let people interfere in my in my coaching yeah I used to call them um you know HM high maintenance parents right but they just need a lot of information now I call them HM parents as in happy Monday because once you give them the information they become clients for life anyway what about you yeah. on the flip side of that then what about your best coaching moment and maybe what what are the lessons my best coaching moments, I think there, there are so many because I love, love, love coaching. You know, I've, I started playing tennis when I was three. My dad is a tennis coach, so I had many that I, that I could, could tell you. But I think my best one was actually coaching um, a girl who had, um, it wasn't autism, it was, um, oh my goodness. I think she was autistic, yes. And she had a lot of trouble playing and she was very, um, Everything irritated her, and it was it was a really big challenge for me. But at learning how to understand her and how to work with her, and getting her to trust me to be her coach, and seeing how she improved, uh, she ended up playing Special Olympics, which was really cool. So I think, you know, I've I've coached every age. I've coached three year olds. I've coached high performance adults. But that was a really, really important moment in my career because I actually learn not only what I have to do on the court, but now how to understand the player mm -hmm. and how to really connect with a player who, who has autism. So, yeah, fantastic. Yeah. Thanks for sharing. The next question is the sliding doors question. So yes, yes, of course. Um, like you, you knew my husband, Olive Stevens, right? So I was married with another tennis coach was also a big PTR guy and knew Emma well too. Um, and unfortunately, he passed away of cancer. I was 31 years old, so it was about three years ago. And my life was going one way. It was great, it was amazing. And unfortunately, we lost him to cancer. And I just got to the moment where, what do I do now? My life was all planned and we, had all, we were both working at the same club. We have plans of, you know, having kids the next year and, you know, just, just develop, going on with our lives and everything just changed from one minute to the other. And 
just having to navigate to, through that and find out who I am again and where is my place in the in, in the tennis industry? Where is my place as a person in my with my family, with my late husband's family? How how does all of that work? And I think that was a big moment for me where I had to learn how to live with adversity every day. And you know, to this day I still live with it. It's not any I'll always live with that. So that was a big moment in my life. It was hard. Uh, but I learned how to live with that and I learned how to cope and always have his memory. Everywhere I go, I try to kind of share share his legacy a little bit. So mm-hmm, that was mm-hmm. a big moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got goosebumps when you told that. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, no, uh, we no love problem. you, Ollie. Uh, next question in one to a maximum of three words, what do you think makes a great coach? A great coach has to be a good listener, has to be able to connect with their players. And I think by one leads to the other, right? If you're a good listener, you connect. Uh, and has to to be fun (laughs) (laughs) so listen connect and fun that's brilliant thank you really appreciate i think ollie's i'm trying to remember now i think patience was one of his (laughs) um and caring and there was one more i can't remember but i love that i love that uh and finally our last question is where we ask you to ask us a question Actually, Emma, I would like to know from you, how, how did you start in your tennis career? Because I never heard that. I know I know you from when you were really successful, but I wanted to know a little bit about how was that step from, you know, being a very successful coach? How, how did you get there? Yeah. People's <laughs> journeys are fascinating, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. Well, we look forward to discussing that on the uh, coaching podcast. So thank you so much for your time and your beautiful energy and for everything that you do in the industry. You're the best. Thank you so much, Emma. Thank you for having me. Have a good day. So this is the bonus content on the coaching podcast. And well, first of all, you know what? I'm always going to throw, I'm going to throw this question back at you for a minute. Um, I coached this incredible um, player, junior player. And of course her name has the same spelling as yours. And I promise I, every second time I get your name wrong and I'm like, and even when we, when I did the start of the podcast, I'm like, do you know what, Emma, I should really ask you if I'm pretty, because we called her Milliner, right? But it's spelled exactly the same, but I'm, I, so, and that's so ingrained in my brain. And she's actually now the physio for the LTA actually. Oh, cool. Yeah. But she was the hardest working player I ever worked with. And so every time I see your name, I default to Milliner, but it's not Milliner. I know that, but I always call you. Milena. How do I say, pronounce it? Milena. Milena. See, just give it a bit of an accent anyway. A little bit of an accent. <laughs> yeah. So um, the extended is is part of your question. The one that you threw back, I think, to everyone on the on the podcast is to reflect on people's journeys. And it's and it's that point where, you know, sometimes we're like prior to you actually becoming a coach, what, what was that journey look like? So I'd love to just share a little bit of that. And now I'm going to throw that back at you as well. Okay. So just for the extended version. Um, yeah, look, I think. One thing for me that people maybe don't realize is I my, took my first coaching lesson when I was 14 and I walked off that court and I was like, this is the greatest job in the world. Even though I didn't know what I was doing, I just copied the guy on the, on the court next to me and did whatever activity he did, I just did with the kids. And I was like, this is like, a, a, you know, you get to wear your tracksuit to work, you get to uh, just, you know, just have a, a bunch of fun with kids and, and see them respond just off my energy because, of course, I had no idea what I was doing. 
And that was so that I could get an extra private lesson a week. So that's how the journey started. Um, but certainly I don't think I ever thought in my head that I was good enough, you know, to, to play tennis at any sort of level, higher level. And then when I was 18, I got into the course of my dreams. It was this brand new course. It was sports coaching and administration. And, and it was run by um, a very famous football coach in, in Melbourne who was my favourite team since I was like five years of age. And I was like, oh, my God, I scraped. I barely just scraped in like with my, my grades. And, uh, and then he pulls me into his office and he goes, do you want to be the best coach that you can be? I was like, yes. Like, what have I got to do? <laughs> he goes, you've got to, he, go, he said, have you maximized your playing potential? And I was like, absolutely not. And he goes, well, don't become a coach yet. Go to college in America, go to, you know, I've heard of this division one or something. And next thing, you know, two weeks later, I was on a plane to Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Right. So um, to really go down that path, you know, to try and, and I'm so glad I did, because as you know, you fellow D1 college player, every match you play, you're playing and the person down the other end of the court, they're just as good as you. And I'm like, oh my God, yeah, it's whoever's prepared to guts out, sort of fight out a match longer. So, um, but the other interesting thing I think about my early journey is when I finished that and got my degree and and I was back in Melbourne and I was like, do you know what? There's great coaches in Australia, but they'll always be here. They're not going anywhere. So I went back over to Florida being the, the mecca of, uh, you know, yeah. tennis coaching, especially at that time frame. And so it was, and it was standing on court with great coaches and going, do I see what they see? Like learning the look. Why did they say that? Did I see that? Did I hear that? And it was just sort of stripping back every all the preconceived ideas about tennis that I had from my playing journey and then being able to, you know, really understand how to become a great coach, which of course is the third question on the podcast. And it's uh, now close to, well, we're definitely going for 500 answers within the next few months. And we're up at about four 450 or something now to that question so the information around that's really interesting as well but um and then that helped me then be able to to represent Australia on 20 occasions you know because I started with the under 10s and then the then the under 12s and then you know I didn't just jump in and take the Australian Mm -hmm. Junior Fed Cup team the juniors you know it's, it's like slowly I always say stretch your comfort zone one layer at a time and uh and I feel like that that's sort of the way that my journey sort of went it was just one layer one layer one layer so um so that's a little bit that's a little couple of little stories there that you did you know any of those stories I did not actually I knew maybe I just knew the fed cup part of it so that's that's really cool to to know the journey yeah but I certainly I think as a young coach too you know you've got all these ideas I call it chapter one you know I had all these ideas and I didn't know how to structure my thinking so getting myself out of my usual environment helped me structure my thinking because I was like, okay, now, oh, that's how you build a forehand. I know topspin or I know open stance and neutral stance, but how do you actually teach that? How do you actually mm-hmm. logically, you know, four different, of course, and then and then it was getting myself right out of tennis that catapulted me back in because I, I didn't understand the person. I sort of coached one way and sort of we had a bit of verbal diarrhea, as I, as I call it. Yeah. So that's, tell me, tell me about your journey. How did you get started in coaching? Um, so my dad is a tennis coach back in Brazil. Where yeah, I'm I didn't from. know that. So, yeah. So he, when I was about 15, I started helping him. So that's how I started playing. I mean, coaching here and there. I started with little kids. I loved it from the beginning, but I never thought this would be my career. 
I just liked helping. Then I came and played college tennis like you did. And I would always help my coach on the side. He was, he, he had some camps going on. I would help. And then always going to summer camps in the, in the summers to teach, you know, I went to the Hamptons a couple of years. I went to Pennsylvania. So I was, I was always uh, finding opportunities to coach throughout the U S while I was in, in college. And then it was kind of, it felt like it was a little bit of fate because I finished my master's degree and I was about to move back to Brazil. And I used to work at this country club as a, just a teaching pro and the director of tennis left and he told the board, he said, you should try to hire Milena as a director of tennis. And he called me and I was like, are you sure? Are you sure, you know, you want me to take your job? But I was just fresh out of college in my, in my master's degree. And uh, he was like, yep, you, I, I'm sure you, you would succeed and gave me a lot of confidence. So I got the job and I started getting, you know, the, all the visa processes that you know about. I got my working visa with them. Um, I started a junior program. They had a very small junior program where they did only everything was on the yellow ball on the full court with the big racket. And I changed all that. So we changed, we completely changed. Um, I had this lady that worked with me a lot. Um, somebody who was really important on my journey too. Her name is Dawn Wu. She worked with me at this club and we both were like, okay, we're changing this whole thing. So we lost actually a lot of players because we put them on the red ball and the orange ball and the green ball. And they're like, what do you mean? You're downgrading my kids. And it was something that actually took a lot of courage from both of us because we're both starting and we saw what was the right thing to do. And we ended up losing a lot of people. But at the end, we gained a lot of people back because they realized that we were doing the, the right thing. And the kids, they stayed in our program started improving much more. So that was a really exciting moment. Then, of course, I met Ollie, who happened to be a coach. We met at the PTR symposium here in Hilton Head Island. And after we got married, we started working together. And I think that's uh, the big, it, it was, a lot, he put me in a lot of challenges. So he, he, he put me in a little bit of pressure all the time. He was like, okay, and tr trying to get me to, he wasn't telling me what to do, but he was encouraging me to find the answers of things as a coach. And I think that's what was the big moment to me. It was like, I really love doing this because I'm finding the answers myself now. And it was just a really cool thing. And, and that's when my, my passion for coaching became even bigger because I was doing this my, with my husband, we were working together and he was, he, to me, he was always, he was in another level because he had done all these courses, his, you know, all the PTR courses, you know, he's done the two masters of tennis. He did the ITPA masters. And then that started encouraging me to get all my certifications and really learn and study more about tennis. And that's mm -hmm. when it just really, I feel like my journey really took a big, you know, way up because I started to care more about what I was telling my players, if I was teaching them correctly, you know, and it was, it was really cool. So start, start teaching from the three-year-olds all the way to, you know, adults, seniors, mm -hmm. high performance, and giving me all that, being able to teach different ages in different groups was, was really cool too. So it's a little bit of my journey. And then now I, after, after Ollie passed away, I decided to kind of change a little bit to do something new still in the tennis industry, industry because I love it. Uh, and then now I work for the PTR, working with coaches education, which became a passion of mine because I learned by myself, you know, I learned how to think for myself and how to find those answers. And now I, I want to help those coaches to do that. So that's, mm -hmm. that's fun. And I, I really, really love my journey. I mean, there's, there was so many ups and downs in, in my coaching career, but, uh, I feel 
I feel like it's 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 being a huge part of my life and it's just, yeah it's one of the greatest privileges in the world being a coach isn't it just to impact the, the character as our good friend mm -hmm. Dr Jim Lear always says doesn't he you know so mm -hmm. um yeah no I think also you hearing you talk about your journey just reminded me my first ever business was called Tennis Innovations at mm -hmm. Oak Park Tennis Club and the club was about to fold and essentially it had, had gone from 800 members down to 50 members and they were about to put apartments where the where the club was and uh, they basically said unless you can get this membership up membership up to 200 players playing tennis you know like in being a part of the community then you know we can maybe the council can stop and save the club and uh and that's what we did and it reminded me though of what you were saying about you know when the first sort of modified ball came in and and implementing a whole new new pathway the easier bit for me is we didn't have any really you know we didn't mm -hmm. have already existing people it was starting from the ground up and we ended up building that to being four clubs and, and 400 kids a week. And, wow. Um, but experiencing, I think it's really important as a young coach too, sometimes to experience the whole gamut, you know, of ages and stages of learning and development because it's very easy to, to you know, teach someone who's maybe got a high level of coordination or it's a lot easier if they're similar in personality to you. But when you can coach all stages and all ages across that I think is a really good grounding in in your formative years before you specialize or before you you know potentially move into a certain area so I love that you've had yeah. that experience as well in just you know the whole the, all the the different um ages and stages because yeah. I don't always believe in you know you're a red baller you know we of course we we were you were a mini mite you know, or whatever mm -hmm. name so that you could float the balls a little bit as well. Cause sometimes I think we get so caught up on it as well. Yeah. Um, but um, I think another thing too is being a tennis player. So we both play college tennis. And a lot of times I think us as coaches, we think, wow, I'm a good player. So I can just go out there and teach. And that's, that was my mentality at the beginning. I'm just going to go out there and teach, but then you start educating yourself and realizing, wow, I actually didn't realize the players struggles just because I, I was a good player and I don't remember those those struggles. So that's that's something too that that it's it's that's another reason why it's really cool to teach different ages and groups and stages yeah. of, of, of their learning. Yeah, which of yeah. course uh, Brian and I filmed at PTI is the the tennis NLP neuro linguistic programming course that of yes. course it's on um we I'll put the 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 uh, the link in the in the show notes. Yeah, it's a very um, good course. course. But you know, there's there's different ways to learn, there's different behavioral styles, there's different it, and the way that you naturally want to teach is not necessarily what's going to be best for the learner, as we know. So the best, you know, it's like it is being as a coach, um, you know, in one to a maximum of three words, what makes a great coach? Someone once said a chameleon. So, you know, I mean, you've still got your own principles and your own philosophies, but you do need to be able to adapt. And I think that was the yeah. biggest aha moment in my coaching. I was like, oh, I have to change who I am to bring out the best in this player. Uh, that was one of my big aha moments. What What do you think your dad would say to the question in one to a maximum of three words, what makes a great coach? My dad, I think connection is something huge for him because he's he's a typical Brazilian guy who's always happy, always smiling. I think his students love going to have lessons with him. And I think the number one thing is, besides his knowledge, is that he's so approachable and he's so he's so easy for him to create that connection. So I think that's definitely one. Um, 
the connection. Let me see what else. I'm trying to think of when I was a player with him, because that it's it's so different when you're their daughter. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you probably know that. Um, I think is the knowledge and trying to understand the game of tennis, right? Being able to understand and show to your players exactly what you're meaning. And let's see what the third one would be. So the connection. Knowledge. Knowledge. And I, I actually think he's an extremely adaptable coach. Yeah. Um, and I think that, that you brought that, that word up. And I think that's definitely something that describes my, my dad's coaching. I think that's something that he would say. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Not always easy coaching your kids. It's uh, That's yeah. another podcast. <laughs> Not yeah. this moment. But, it's, a full, um, it's a full podcast for those. <laughs> um, Milena, oh, how did I go? Great. Love did it. I do all right? <laughs> Thank you so much once again for this little extended snapshot into your life. Uh, I can't wait to see you back in person and be a part of the, the beautiful PTR family at at the next opportunity that we get. So uh, take care, yeah. my darling. And uh, thank we'll you talk so soon. much for having me. All right. Bye. The Coaching Podcast was brought to you by Emma Doyle and Simon Blair. Emma Doyle is a global speaker and performance coach helping unleash human potential. Her website is emmadoyle.com.au. And I'm Simon Blair, trainer, assessor, and coach of sales and customer service skills with my own company, Five Degrees. Connect with me on LinkedIn or email me at simon.blair at five degrees, that's F-I-V-E-D-E-G-R-E-E-S dot com dot A-U. 